G'day and welcome to Chewing the Fat for another week. I'm Bevo and we're down here at the Joiner's Arms tonight. And I'm joined by the man himself, the Channel 7 sports presenter since the 1990s. He's played 112 games of VFL, AFL footy for Collingwood, the Crows and the Kangaroos. And as well, won seven premierships, believe it or not, with the Magpies, 190 games for the Pies. He's also a Hall of Famer in South Australian football, and he's played 10 games for the state. Can't, can't really get... I've, mate, I've just stuck... I guess we'll keep on going all night, but that's a pretty impressive resume, so... It sounded pretty quickly. It sounded pretty good too, by the way. But it was a long, long time. It was a long time ago. Long time ago. Long time ago. But uh, yeah, very, very happy and very proud of my, my football career. Yeah. So, mate, um, you've been doing the Channel Seven Sports as I mentioned since the nineteen nineties. <laughs> but um, sort of, how did you first get into that? Oh, interesting. I'm uh, anyone who actually knows me knows I, I dislike the, the spotlight intensely, and I was like that when I played football and. Uh, John Casey tried to get me to do an interview for about three years, and I finally did it with him as I got towards the end of my career. And um, then we played a grand final. I was interviewed after a grand final, and the news director, Terry Plant at, at Channel 7, saw the future, as it was in America was. The future for sports presenters was people who had played the game. And he looked at me, and he rang my coach, John Carl, and said, uh, tell him I'm going to ring him up, and uh, I want a chance. So Jack did the right thing. He goes, hey, this guy's going to ring you. You know, you've only got a couple of years left in football. Um, have a chat to him. So he rang me, I told him to piss off. <laughs> Jack said, did you talk to him? I said, I told him to piss off. He said, Jack, to his credit, Jack said, just go and have lunch with a bloke. I did, here we are, that was December 1989. Here we are, 2018, and uh, exactly what happened now. You see pretty much all the uh, presenters of sport on all the networks are people who have played the game. So yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, well done to you on, on your achievements so far, not only with Channel 7, but all the sport as well. But a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about, mate. Now, you won the Jack Odie medal in 1988, <laughs> and that's for best on ground in the Sanford, for people that don't know what that is. And in 1992, you thought you were best on ground in your final game for the Magpies, and you're a bit stiff because a one person by the name of Nathan Buckley, no, some people might know who that is. Of course, the uh, man yeah. who's one of them, Gary Anna, Anna Brownlow, and also is the coach of the Collingwood Magpies and doing a, not a bad job after he's had a few tough years, so he's yeah, yeah, doing he's a good very well. Now, Bucks, um, Bucks is terrific, and uh, <laughs> 1992 grand final was my last game, and I planned it. My wife, we were having our first child, Imogen, three weeks after the uh, grand final, so I, I timed that one well too, that whole nine month gestation. Yeah, it worked. And uh, <laughs> it was my last game, and you know, I played a pretty good game. I was very happy with my form. We won, and I, you know, I suppose, you know, 28 kicks and 12 handballs, and pretty much dominated the game. Fair but of course, <laughs> Nathan Buckley had won the McGarry medal, he won the, he ended up winning the Jack Odie, he won the Premiership medal. He pretty much won every medal known to mankind that year. <laughs> as this 18-year-old, and off he was going to, the, to Brisbane for one year too before he got to Collingwood. Yes. And I just, uh, I just sat there and thought, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, no worries. Give it to the young bloke who's got all the medals. Not the old bloke who's on his last game. Don't worry about that. So, <laughs> bit filthy. I'm not really. He was a, he's, a, he's a very worthy champion. And, 28 and, possessions and 12 marks, a pretty handy game. 28 mate. kicks, mate. Come on. <laughs> oh, 28 kicks. Oh, sorry. sorry, mate. And also, something else that's very interesting as well, Abby. You've been a, a great port man, of course, as I mentioned before. 190 games, seven premierships. It's just an incredible effort. And you played a 11 games for the Crows and you don't like telling people about playing for the Crows though because you're a true port man. Tell us more about that. Well I, I'm really proud of it. My first game was at Port Adelaide, my last game was at Port Adelaide. I grew up at Cheltenham which is just next to Albert and Oval. I played mini league at Albert and Oval. I went through all the underage at Port Adelaide and you know to me my club is Port Adelaide. Whatever happens it is Port Adelaide and it was a frustrating time because all I wanted to do was play in the best league there was which is why I went to Melbourne. After I proved I could play 100 games in Melbourne, I just wanted to come home. You know, my girlfriend, now my wife, lived here, I bought a house here, 
And you know, there's other things in football, you know, your family and friends. And I came home and uh, when a team from South Australia got to play in the best league in the land, well, I wanted to play in the best standard. So I had to play for the Adelaide Crows. So I got Cornsy as coach, which was terrific. That was really good. We had a little chat early on with Cornsy, and he said to me, I don't think football's your number one priority. And I said to him at the time, I said, how's the breakfast radio going, Cornsy? Because he was doing breakfast radio, and he was coaching the Adelaide Crows. And I was going, how's breakfast radio? You reckon football's not my number one priority? But that's OK. Don't worry, Cornsy. No, I get on really well with Cornsy now. Um, but yeah, 11 games. And uh, yeah, uh, we, I won seven of them and lost four. So I had the second best winning ratio behind Bruce Lindner, who only ever played the games at Footy Park. He never travelled. He didn't go to Moorabbin or back to Geelong. Oh. He just played the ones at Footy Park. Bit so, like the Richmond Footy Club these days, eh? Uh, he's all right. No, no. So yeah, 11 fabulous, uh, 11 of the finest games you'll ever see. Too. Oh, there you go. And I've heard you don't mind the brandy, which we've got now, a brandy and coke. So where does the, uh, the interest of brandy come from? It's a bit of a surprise, because normally it's... Um... It's actually a sad story. It's a sad story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, when you get to a certain age around... Uh, you know, Cheltenham, Rosewater, where I played football, everyone starts drinking beer. And I still cannot drink a beer. An Australian bloke who can't drink a beer. Wow. And I just hate the taste. And uh, my mates try wine. And back in those days, they were Coolabar Castle, Benin, or something like that. And I'm going, I can't drink that either. So we went to the Rosewater Hotel. One of us was 18. Just make sure that's in there. <laughs> we bought uh, six of the little bottles and, and six mixers, and we permutations and combinations, we finally got to brandy and coke. And I, and I don't even drink coke by itself. And I've gone, I can drink that. Here we are. I'll do the numbers quickly. <laughs> 36 years later. <laughs> your teammates must have given it to you, though, drinking brandy instead of beer. No, surely. the trick was, it was always brandy and coke in a schooner glass. Okay. So at the footy club, you go upstairs and everyone think you're drinking coke. But the bar staff always knew it was brandy and coke in a schooner glass. So anyone saw you, they'd go, oh, he's drinking coke. He's on the softies. Oh, there you go. No worries. Worked oh, beautifully. Interesting story. Um, mate, Sad. <laughs> it's, it's, Clearly it's a, a bit of a problem. No, no, I like it. Something different. Um, before we talk about this round of AFL and Sample, which is huge, of course, um, what about John Millman the other day? We should talk about that. Beating Roger Federer, that's got to be one of the biggest upsets uh, in US Open history, doesn't it? I was actually having lunch with uh, three or four of my mates, and uh, it was on the, on the TV, and we actually ended up, everyone who was in the, in the, we were eating in the dining room, in, the, in this pub, was um, over there watching it, and was just going, this is fantastic. And, you know, it's an absolute, it's one of those great Australian stories of, you know, the underdog who comes up and beats the guy we acknowledge as the best, the greatest of all time. And for me, my favourite thing was his reaction after was humility. He was humble. You know, it took me back to, to Pat Rafter. You know, he'd win majors and he was humble about it. And I just, you want to get how he acted and how Pat Rafter used to act and just show a couple of these young blokes with undoubted talent yes. who are complete idiots who haven't done anything. This is how you act. It's called humility. It's called respect. And the Australian public jumps behind you instead of jumps on you. And well uh, that was yeah. the best thing I, I liked about Milman. And I'll never forget Pat Rafter's uh, daddy. He was interviewed after Pat Rafter had won um, the US Open. And Pat was one of the, oh, I'm guessing, seven or eight kids, a lot of kids. And the, the interviewer grabbed uh, Pat's dad and said, Pat, uh, Mr. Rafter, you must be really proud of Pat. And he said, I'm really proud of all of my children. And I thought, that's why Pat's a great bloke. And his, dad's such a good his bloke. dad, his dad gets it. He understands it. This yeah. is this is just a trophy. This isn't you as a person. It's a trophy. Well done. And that probably explains why Kyrgios and Tomic have sort of gone off the rails a bit, doesn't it? Because they've got so much talent, but they just don't have that sort of family support. And as you get older, and you can't do the things you used to do, that's the frustration of seeing young people with talent wasting it. And I'm sure, 
there's some old guys who are me sometimes the way I acted and the way I took, you know, went about my football and were frustrated about me too. But you know, I'm, I'm proud of when it mattered, I, I delivered and uh, that's you know, probably the thing I, I enjoyed having a reputation for in the big games. Yeah, congratulations on your career. It's uh, certainly one to be very proud of, that's for sure. No. Now, speaking of AFL and SANFL, which is uh, certainly something you're a big part of, Bruce, it's a huge round of footy. This hill uh, kicks off tomorrow night, which is Thursday night, a blockbuster between the Tigers and the Hawks. This was sold out a week ago. MCG's 100,000 yeah. people sold out a week ago. Incredible, isn't it? I've got to say, yeah. now, I, I, now I'm allowed to bet on footballers. I've actually had back to Hawthorne at $3.29. I reckon they're good <laughs> Gamble value. Gamble responsibly, yep. <laughs> Gamble responsibly. <laughs> How do they get away with that in the front bar? Yeah. <laughs> this really is a front bar. It is. No, I, I'm, uh, my youngest daughter, Bree, uh, lives with Brian Burton. So now our family follows Hawthorne after Port Adelaide. Yes. So uh, as long as they're together, we'll follow Hawthorne. If they're not, Sacked. So, um, yeah, we're, we're uh, on the Hawthorne bandwagon this, this final series. So and, that's your uh, tip tomorrow night, uh, I actually, you I, Well, I put my money on them. Yeah. Um, I, I think they are one of two teams that can beat Richmond on the day. Yeah. And the other one's Collingwood. And uh, I think the, the players they've got back, we saw the selections tonight, their names, I, I, I think they're... They shouldn't be favourite, Hawthorne, but I think they're a chance. And Clarkson, he, he can coach. Yeah, you never know with, with Clark and what he's able to do and stuff. And the team he's got, like, he obviously hasn't got the same team from that triple premiership team back in the day, but he's still got a lot of quality players in that side. Well, and it's just his ability to get them up and about every week. It's just interesting it? what he's uh, doing when you talk to, talk to a player in, in there and, you, and find out what he's doing. And you look at the players he's got. He's, he's trying to get an entire team of six foot two to six foot five who can play anywhere athletes who are highly schooled with hand and foot. He's got about 12 of them already. And they can all rotate, they all change places. You've had backmen who have gone forward Sicily. You've got forwards who you've got two or three options instead of one target. I just, and they're, and they're all about athletes being able to run. They're not about strength. They're, it's about endurance and that kind of, that kind of strength. And I, I just watching this Hawthorne team go, you know, you look at Carlton rebuilding, you look at Frio rebuilding, you look at all these rebuilding, Hawthorne don't rebuild. No. Sydney don't rebuild. Yeah. Geelong doesn't rebuild. They Hawthorne have one bad year, the next year they're back in the well, top well, four. They miss and they go, yeah. okay, we're changing. But there's this thing called culture in football clubs. And this culture is this word that lots of people like to bandied about. Yes. But Paul Ruse summed it up best when he was at Sydney. It's the no dickhead policy. You don't have dickheads. You don't recruit dickheads. You recruit people of good strength and character. And that rolls on. And you don't invent culture overnight. It's over year after year after year. But by the same token, it takes years to disappear if you muck it up. Yes. So it rolls on for the new players that you bring in. So that's, you know, I, I, I admire Hawthorne, Sydney, Geelong um, and Richmond now. There's a lot of players here who know what they have to do. They're not big stars. They just roll on and get the job done. And that's to me, is what a good football club is about. And unfortunately, uh, I don't think Port Adelaide and Adelaide, I think they're a long, long way away, both of them, from having that kind of culture at the moment. Yeah, I reckon you're spot on because, correct me if I'm wrong, I reckon Port's list is probably one of the best in the competition, if not better than the Hawks. But Clyco just has this ability to get them all playing together and playing for him, which Port just didn't seem to have this year, especially after you know starting off the year so well with 11-4 and four, and it all went downhill from there. And So I reckon you're right. There's certainly something to do with the culture and, and playing for Clyco and playing for each other. Well, 11-4. You, yeah. need two, you need two wins to make the eight. That's right. You've got one. I, I'm, it staggers me. And stagger. There's clearly, and there's clearly some issue in the in the football club to have fallen off the face of the earth like that, 
We all hear about, you know, we're going to have a, a review. We need people from outside to go, this is what's wrong, and, and fix it. Because, uh, seriously, it, it bothers me that football clubs and bad football clubs, when things go wrong, they go back into their bunker, they tell, everyone, tell each other that everything's okay, you've got to get outside. You've got to go outside and look back at yourself, and yeah. uh, not enough of that happens. And that, that applies to both Adelaide and Port Adelaide at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Hawthorne's certainly someone they should look at, that's for sure. That's someone from yeah. the outside, sorry. Yeah, no, well said. <laughs> um, big game on Friday night, Bruce. It's Melbourne versus the Cats. Oh, sorry, Richmond's my tip for that one anyway. In, in a close one against the Hawks, but a good guy either way. But, it's easy. Yeah. Just, just keep picking the favourites. <laughs> no, Richmond going for 22 in a row. They're just too good at the G at the moment. Um, on Friday night, Melbourne versus Geelong. That's a, oh, they're one closer to their first loss. They are, that's very true. <laughs> Melbourne versus Geelong on Friday night. Two teams that have had, have had a great couple of games this year, both of them going down to you know the last kick of the game. And Melbourne, unfortunately, lost both those games, but they, they should have really won them both when you consider it. And this year is the first time in the finals for 12 years, Bruce, since 2006 is the last time they played finals. How do you think this one's going to go? Because do you think Melbourne will go in with you know a, bit, a few nerves and that, not playing finals for a while? I reckon they'll embrace it. If it I must say, this is the best weekend of finals I can remember. As the matchups, the teams, and what's at stake, oh, it's staggering. You talk about 12 years Melbourne. Hawthorne and Richmond have never played a final. That's amazing. Never. Isn't it? Yeah. So Melbourne and Geelong on the Friday night. I, you know, Melbourne responded in the best possible way when the when the hammer came down about two or three rounds before the end of the season. They stood up. They delivered. Viney comes back. He is a big part of the culture once again. He's a big part of what happens on the field. Uh, I love the. I love the. Um, I love the fairy tale. I'll go to Melbourne. You know, yeah. We'll keep going, and I want to hear Titus O'Reilly. No, just well, I'm going up. for Melbourne, so there you go. I'm going for an underdog, <laughs> okay. so it's not all the favourites, Bruce. It uh, comes back to that you know, Geelong has the, what they call it, the Holy Trilogy. And you can have all the names, it just hasn't clicked there for some reason. That's right. And, you know, yeah. don't get me wrong, they, they certainly can play football, Geelong Football Club, but, uh, yeah, I'll stick with the fairy tale. Well, what do they say? It's not always um, a team of champions, so it's a champion team, isn't it? Yeah. So, as they say. So, yeah. On Saturday, it's got another couple of cracking games of footy. We've got Sydney versus GWS at the SCG, a twilight game on Saturday afternoon. That should be a beauty. These two teams as well have been pretty even this year. Uh, GWS went down by 20 points the last time they played. That was a few weeks ago at Spotless. This one's at the G, and the Swans lost by nine points against the Hawks a couple of weeks ago, but they're playing some good footy. Buddy back in, Parker back in. Oh, what do you think, Bruce? It's oh, a tough one. The Giants are this enigma of a super talented list who can't get on the park all at once. We all know what they could possibly do, but they haven't done it. Even to the extent of their list management, they had planned to have won a grand final by now because they're going to be $2 million over the salary cap next year. They're going to have to shed players just to stay under. I, They've certainly done a far better job of expansion team than the Gold Coast. Uh, <laughs> That's for sure. But I'm just going to come back. Just, just, just show me Buddy Franklin on the big stage uh, in finals, and I'm going, yeah, I just want to see him. That's, he's one of the players you go to the football to watch. You, you watch the TV just in case he does something. Um, and, I, and I've got a lot of respect for Sydney, you know, the culture that Paul Roos set up there and, and maintained. You know, when was the last coach who succession planned and would happily walked away? Yes. Never happens, trust me, except... Paul Roos did it. And so. like you said before, when's the last time Sydney have been rebuilding? I couldn't even tell you. They've well, been I just roll through. Just ridiculous. I think 15 finals over the last 16 years, if, I've heard. If the Giants could get all the best players in the park, I would probably pick them, but they, they can't get them on there. It frustrate, frustrates me a little bit watching some of the younger players. Undoubted talents. Toby Green is an undoubted talent, but mate, do something before you get the strut. That's all. Um, you know, there's a couple of players, young players there. You haven't done anything yet, boys. 
but you got the strut going. You get the strut going when you've won three flags like Hawthorne. Yes, I agree with you. Almost like a curious type, isn't he, in mm. a way? So, yeah, well said. I think Sydney for me as well, and that's going to be a cracking game again. It could go either way. And speaking of cracking games, this one's another beauty to finish uh, the finals off. It's on Saturday evening. That's 7.40 Adelaide time, which is 5 o'clock over there in Western Australia. It's the Eagles and the Pies. Eagles will have Kennedy back in. The Pies, a couple of ins as well, potentially Jeremy Howe. Um, we haven't got the sponsors yet. Don't. And Trelaw possibly as well. So um, the Pies... We'll be playing for Travis Barco's sister, who sadly passed away last week. Maggie Barco, thoughts go out to Trav and his family, of course, and friends. Um, Collingwood, obviously, we're playing for Trav. I reckon they can do it, Bruce. They played well against the Frio. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually picking Collingwood. Yeah, yep. I'm, your I'm, old side. I'll come back to a fairy tale. <laughs> I, just, I just think uh, they're playing a brand of football, which the more pressure you put on them, the more they have to dig deep, and I'm more than happy with them. They're, uh, they're, I'm happy with them. I'm happy with what they're doing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So there you go. That they travelled, be... and believe it or not, the few games Collingwood played on the road this year, they did very well. They're four and one. Yeah, they're playing good. So, they don't play too bad in Perth as well. They won there a couple of weeks ago against Frio. Well, so had a week off. So yeah, yep. they're looking good. Two sample games to kick, uh, to finish off with as well on Sunday at 12:15 p.m. That is North Adelaide. They had a great win against South last week. They're playing against Sturt, who lost to the Eagles last week by 21 points. So North beat South by 20 points. Two pretty even games. I'm going to go for North Adelaide. I saw them first hand, Bruce, and they look really good against South. Well, I'm, especially gonna, in the I'm going for Sturt because you, you don't win two flags and uh, forget how to play football. Yeah. So I'll, I'll oh. stick with, yeah, it's their time of the year. There's enough players in the Sturt team who have been in, into this action to go, yeah, okay, we lost one. Play they have on. got a few injuries, though. Battersby's probably out now with the collarbone. Yeah, Marty Batner, suddenly uh, being linked to AFL clubs as yes. a coach. Be a pretty handy coach, I reckon. Oh, so. Well, Port Adelaide, Adelaide, and uh, the Gold Coast. I'd take him at Port for sure. Well, would you? Do you want to work on your suntan? Go to the Gold Coast. You won't win many games, but that's all right. So. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd rather stay in Adelaide to be honest. But and the other game is the Eagles up against Nord. The Eagles, as I mentioned before, beat Sturt by 21 points last week, and uh, they're playing some good footy. Nord had won 13 in a row and lost to South Adelaide last game of the year by 26 points, but they're still playing really, really good footy. They've got stars across all lines. Mitch Grigg, um, last year's McGarry medalist, could win again, which is tonight. So I'm tipping. He actually wins McGarry, so it could be two years in a no, row for him. But um, I, I like your stat on they played 13 games in a row and lost. Port Adelaide, we did that once under Jack Carr. We were flying and we lost the last minor round game and Jack tore strips off us. Oh. And then I saw him after, he's just going, I was so glad we lost that game. Just so I could rip into him before the finals. <laughs> so I know it. I'm, I'm suggesting it could, the loss couldn't have happened at a better time. Yeah. As it, they come up and go, oh, okay. I saw James Fantasia after that game against South, and I said the same thing. I said, as much as you don't want to lose, there's probably a loss you'd rather have now rather than the finals. So, yeah, I think Nord will beat the Eagles. But wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles knocked them off because the Eagles are playing good footy. But, no, nah, Nord... There you go. Any more fences you can sit on? <laughs> <laughs> Just give us a reason why every team can win. Who are you picking? I'm going for Nord. OK. So, yeah, right. but, but I'm just saying that the Eagles um, <laughs> are playing well at the moment and saw them firsthand last week against Sturt. Nah. They've got good players. Jack Lukosius, of course, probably number one draft pick. He's playing well. Yeah. yeah. But no, it should be really good. Well, Bruce, um, thank you so much for your time tonight. No, it's been pleasure. an absolute pleasure, pleasure chewing the fat with you. <laughs> and um, yeah, all the best with uh, Channel 7 and your future going forward. And uh, we look forward to chewing the fat with you again in the future, mate. Ah, pleasure. Anytime you like. No worries. And thank you very much. And uh, thanks to join us. Thanks for joining us, <laughs> <laughs> arms as well, for letting us uh, film down here. So come on down and get yourself a feed. Great food. We had a bit of a burger here tonight. And it was great stuff. Tight and there you go, Tuesday. Tuesday on Tuesday nights. I'm Bevo, this is Bruce. See you all next week. Cheers. Bye for now.